Hi, this is JD, and you're listening to Chimera Cast, a story gaming actual play podcast. Today, we're playing Trophy Gold by Jesse Ross, continuing the seaside we played before called Hester's Mill. And we're very excited that Jason Cordova of The Gauntlet has returned to our podcast to run the game again for us. Jason is running us through an incursion called the Rhyme Palace by Cloven Pine Games. If you like what we do, we would love your support on Patreon or by buying a shirt or a sticker from us. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information on anything I just mentioned, links can be found in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much and enjoy the Rhyme Palace. This is Trophy Gold, the Rhyme Palace. I am here again with the fine gentlemen of the Chimera cast. Why don't we go around and introduce ourselves really quickly by name, pronouns, and any other awesome things you'd like to share about yourselves? Zach? Hi, I'm Zach. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the lion for the Chimera cast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm he, him as well, and I, I guess if that's what we're doing, I'd be the goat. I'm JD. My pronouns are also he, him. I am the dragon of the chimera. Hi, I'm Ryan. My pronouns are also he, him, and I'm the snake ass of the <laughs> chimera. <laughs> the, the last member added. Good. Uh, and I'm Jason. I am not a part of the chimera at all, but uh, I am the publisher of the game we're getting ready to play, and I'm really excited about doing that. I think we should start by introducing our characters. Um, I want to begin with the returning character. Uh, Nathan, give us a rundown of Ezio. I'm playing Ezio, who appeared in the last campaign that we played. Ezio is a scumbag, I guess, is kind of the easiest way to say it. He's uh, obsessed with his own hygiene and appearance, even though he's kind of short with a with a widow's peak and wide eyes. He looks like Peter Lorre, and he talks like Peter Lorre. In the last campaign, he barely escaped with his life after seeing a crow god and a man turn into a werewolf. Uh, he's been through some things. I'll just go down down the character sheet if that's okay. My backpack equipment, I have candles, a mirror, and a perf and perfume, which I apply liberally. I have a chained shirt from our last adventure. Uh, because I learned that I actually need to wear armor because I get messed up. I have a ruined stiletto, so a stiletto with a series of runes in it. I believe I bought it for a price. think it's pretty. In that, it hasn't come up yet. I maybe want to do something with that, with the runes. My occupation is a lockpick, which gives me acrobatics, security, and surprise. My background is a liberated prisoner. I'm thinking white-collar crimes, maybe attempting to bribe somebody or something like that. It hasn't come up yet. 
if we explore that, I'll come up with something at the time, but I don't have anything in specific yet. And that gives me the skill deals. And my drive is to retire in the Rose District of Amberay. I wish to retire in comfort. I look to make enough money and, you know, live the days of my life drinking champagne and buying things. The rituals I have are darkness and mirror. That, respectively, darkness allows me to uh, snuff out light by with a living shadow. And mirror allows me to take the form of a known person or animal. That's it. Fantastic. There's there's something poetic about you starting with your equipment to introduce your character. I, it it feels, was it was because I scrolled <laughs> I had scrolled down on the character sheet and wasn't thinking about it. And yeah, actually, there is exactly how you would think of Ezio. We start with the things that he has. Indeed, the fates the fates ensured it worked out that way. Let's go to. I'm just going to go in the order of the sheet now. JD, tell us about Zabatu. Azabatu, um, her pronouns are she, her. Uh, she is filling the role of a hedge, uh, like a hedge mage in this uh, group dynamic. She's a discredited academic. Her drive is to hire 100 chanters to perform the ritual that will bring forth the scion. I'm sure that's for a good reason. Uh, so my skills then, um, curses, improvisations, spirits, and disputation, which I think means arguing with people. <laughs> it does indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my rituals are unravel and rewind. Uh, I carry with me a cage of three rats, uh, a flute, and a pot of honey. Um, and then my combat equipment, uh, I have spell sewn wrappings. Um, so basically these are wrappings with spells written on them wrapped all around me so she kind of looks like a you know a mummy and then uh, she has a clawed gauntlet on her left hand that she uses as a weapon nice i love it thank you and ryan tell us about sergeant bruno elisic bruno is a his occupation is that he's a ranger um so his skills are beasts hunting and traps and his background is that he was a retired soldier, but I I think he was more maybe drummed out or dishonorably discharged. Um, and so that gives him tactics as well. Uh, his drive is to retrieve the lost banner of the Nameless Legion. And then he's got uh, some iron spikes, a mallet, and a tent. And then the two rituals that he has are kindle and summon. Nice. Um, sounds very nice. Thank you. And let's go to Zach and Lord Dion Devanos. How do you want to do that? I am playing Lord Dion Devanos. Devanos. My occupation is a royal. Obviously, I am above those around me, and therefore they are subservient to me and perhaps my squires. Um, my background is a forlorn romantic, perhaps... Anyone who is listening here now understands the true drama of reading great poetry and having to exist in a world that is not that which they have read. So I uh, have taken the background of a forlorn romantic, and my drive, of course, in the forlorn romantic way is to fund a voyage to the end of the world. I have uh, grown beyond such subtleties as becoming a king or a, a monarch, and I wish to explore the last expanse of existence. I have chosen a singular ritual, which will be glamour. 
my equipment is the finest silks from the Rose District that make up my make in which I uh, encounter the world. They are beautiful and made from such riches that envy Ezio. And my uh, rapier named Heartpiercer, the manifestation of true love. One can only <laughs> be so truly blessed. I also have in my backpack, if I have to gather myself, an hourglass that has 10-minute markers, uh, and some numbing herbs for my dear friends who maybe need to feel less pain, and a sewing kit with which I make beautiful silks for myself and for others. <laughs> you, you, you sew fabrics with your sewing kit. I love it. <laughs> of um, course. Good. I like that of all the characters, uh, Lord... Sorry, it's going to take me a minute... Uh, Lord Dion is the only one who's never had a job. <laughs> so that's pretty great. <laughs> Absolutely not. What? <laughs> so the incursion that we're playing is called the Rhyme Palace. And here I want to clarify that when I say the Rhyme Palace, that's rhyme spelled R-I-M-E as in frost, not R-H-Y-M-E as in poetry. Um, the Rhyme Palace, or the Frost Palace, if you will, You've heard rumors that there is such a place in the far frozen north, that it is the former home of a group of noble fae. And these rumors indicate that these fae left behind all of their riches. And of course, all of these riches are how you all are going to uh, satisfy your drives, right? Satisfy the things that are, are, are making you press ever deeper into the dark and forgotten places of the world. And so you've headed to the frozen north. You've heard that the way you reach the Rhyme Palace is through a legendary boat called Ardken. And so you are here in the rumored location of the Rhyme Palace, attempting to find the boat Ardken that will take you to the palace. And that is our first set. Our first set is called The Teetering Graveyard. The set goal of The Teetering Graveyard is uncover and set sail on the bone ship. Nestled in a mountain cleft, The Teetering Graveyard is an ancient site where many mounds of bones, human and otherwise, have been piled up. Scholars speculate that these were offerings to long-since-forgotten gods. You're here following up on the rumor of Ardkin, the Ship of Bones, that will take you to the palace. And you're hoping that the ship is somewhere here in this boneyard. I will tell you that this incursion has the theme of fragility. And the first sort of inkling of this we get is as your characters are walking among these large, almost titanic piles of bones, there is this almost like a, a cheery crunching sound beneath your boots of bones just crunching underneath. It's almost like bubble wrap, pleasant to, to pop. It's like that. You're just like stepping on these bones and they're just like crumbling away. And, and the whole place is very distinctly odorless almost like whatever bleached these bones also bleached away any smell. It's almost a clean smell. 
Of course, it could also just be the cold numbing your senses. But you're aware of two things. I've described these massive, tall mounds of bones, and they're, they're quite big, like they tower over you three or four times. And one of them is larger and more irregularly shaped than the others, and it has a large skeletal wing jutting out of it. And the other thing you're aware of is a voice, a moan of pain coming from the other side of another pile of bones. I think I'm going to go around the table, and before I ask you what you're doing, I'm curious how your characters are coping with this cold place. Like, how do you look different than normal? How have you prepared for this weather? Whoever has an idea, chime in. A beautiful weasel-based ring around the outside of my neck. It's the top of my cloak. It's very nice, and I've tucked it in warmly. Maybe everything else uh, is eaten by the cold, rimy frost of the wind, but you can bet I'm holding close to the furl around my chiffon. Fantastic. Sabato. Sabato uh, is unaffected. Um, she stands with her robe open, um, just the the wrappings that cover her body um, must somehow keep her warm as well. Um, wraps all the way up to her neck, and her long black hair is left drifting, kind of in this in this cold air, this cold wind. Um, she's not shivering. Uh, her her cheeks aren't even rosy at all. Sergeant Bruno. Yeah, I think Sergeant Bruno has started to grow out his beard a little bit, and uh, it's like thicker and curlier than it normally is. And he's got on one of those, like a a fur lined hat with the uh, the like floppy ear things that come down, and he has it tied under his chin. He's got a thick woolen coat on. Like everything is very much practical. Nice, thank you, Ezio. I have found the most ancient of ways to keep warm, which is whining. <laughs> Very good, yes. I am woefully underdressed. Uh, a, a cloak, perhaps two cloaks, and a scarf which trails behind me in the wind. And I have not shut up about how cold it is. Let's just have that scene. Let's just days. have that scene right now. <laughs> By the gods, does it get any warmer when we get there? The three of you have promised me that I will not be cold for very long. Dearest squire, when I had I'm not your squire brought you under my hood of good favor, I had hoped that you wouldn't complain so much. It is beautiful here in this this cold apocalypse. Maybe you should look into yourself and find the heart fire of warmth. Ezio looks down at, like, a skull that's cracked under his foot. Beautiful. Heart fire of warmth. Great. He still seems to be sweating for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) You seem to to wish the world would change for you, Ezio, as I have told you many times before. We must drive forward and change the world in our image. Have you found no proof of the ship with which we seek? Here's where I will chime in and remind you all that there is a voice, a person, moaning in pain, 
a little ways ahead on the other side of a mound of bones. Um, sounds like a woman's voice. It's beautiful that uh, as the as the prince of this world that I would not uh, care so much for the sounds of moaning <laughs> just, peasants. Completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sergeant Bruno, though, a practical man. Yeah, I think Bruno looks back at his two compatriots and just kind of like shakes his head and hand placed on like the hilt of his sword because you said it was behind one of these big piles of bones correct yes yeah yeah he he carefully like back to the pile of bones like edges around and is gonna try to see what is making this noise or who yeah um do a hunt roll okay so you get one light die for just doing it and you get another light die if you can exploit a piece of equipment or one of your skills. Um, would the hunting skill work for this? Like I think so. Speaking yeah. up, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I rolled a four and a two. A four light means that you get a hunt roll token. So go ahead and note that, and you encounter something terrible, and you might also learn something. Whether you learn something or not is up to me, but. You definitely get a hunt roll token, and you're definitely going to encounter something terrible. So you said you're kind of like slowly creeping around the corner, right, to kind of see what it is? Yeah. I think the first thing you'll notice before you round the way completely is a streak of blood, bright red on the white snow and white bones. And it seems fairly fresh. And... A cry of pain. Ah, 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 damnable creatures. Ah. I can hear the this voice, but I can't see anybody yet. Just this streak oh, um, of blood. Well, as soon as you go around the corner, you'll see for sure. Um, if you if you go all the rest of the way, you will see a woman. She is wearing um, heavy furs and traveling leathers, and she has what appears to be a crossbow at her side and she's on the ground leaning up against the pile of bones and the terrible thing that you encounter is her right foot has been completely severed from her leg and there's just a stump bleeding out into the snow and into the bones and she sees you and she says please please help me stop the bleeding uh, of course, of course. Just give me one moment. And I don't think that in his time in the military, Sergeant Bruno ever like got training as a medic. <laughs> but I do have a sword, and I do have the Kindle ritual. So can I use the Kindle ritual to heat the sword up and uh, cauterize the wound shut? I love that as uh, as as a, as a risk roll. Even I think we'll take it as a risk roll. I will tell you that while you're getting ready to prepare your ritual, and I'll ask you what that looks like in a moment, you'll notice also the body of a man nearby, a few paces away, maybe 20 or 30 paces away, and this person has been ripped to shreds. I mean, there is like just almost nothing left. It's just torn flesh, pools of blood, guts sprayed here and there, bad. And importantly, both of his feet have been cleanly severed off the ankle. I'm going to cut back over to the rest of the group. Zabatu, what are you up to right now? You'll see a little bit of commotion up ahead as Sergeant Bruno goes to see what's going on over there. Yeah, Zabatu, I think, had stopped to examine some of these bone piles to see if there's anything 
interesting if, after all, other academics, which I've certainly read in my, my history as one, uh, if they think that their offerings to old, you know, forgotten gods, oftentimes there are riches. Um, so I was maybe poking around, and then I see uh, Bruno kind of wander around the corner. So I'll come pacing after. You can definitely take a hunt roll for your initial poking around if you want. Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah, I don't think I have anything there. So I'll just do one. Three. Excellent. <laughs> you will encounter something terrible. You will be aware of a creature crawling atop one of the piles of bones, keeping an eye on you. It is fairly small, sort of like a small chimpanzee whose fur has been dyed white and it moves nimbly on four limbs and it is just eyeing you curiously what do you do i'll set down whatever bone i had idly picked up and stare back at it scratch something on my face with my my clawed gauntlet and decide not to dig too much deeper (laughs) while this thing is watching me Fair enough. It's probably then that it's a a good idea to catch up with the group. (laughs) And you said you were heading back over. You were kind of heading towards where Sergeant Bruno was, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think as I I approach, um, just... Have you found the source of moaning? Well, the other source of moaning. And she stares at Ezio for a little bit. And then round that corner. Yes, and you see the the abattoir I previously described um, there... Uh, keep it going, Sergeant Bruno. Uh, yes, yes. Um, this woman, she's and as he's saying this, Bruno's pulling off one of these thick like mittens that he has on. She she seems to be in a bit of a state of distress. She says, "Distress is an interesting way of putting it. I'm missing my foot." Is that the only thing wrong with her? Is her foot has been severed? Seems like it, yeah. Okay. Yes, I see that. Well, go on, put her out of her misery. I think she instinctively reaches for her crossbow. She says, I didn't take you for villains. What good is it to come this far and just kill likely the only person you've run into for days? You can't expect us to just drag you with us. We're in a dangerous area. No, no, there's no, there's no reason to kill her now. We should at least find out what she knows. She says, I overheard you earlier. You and your other two companions. I detected an accent on one of them. An accent of fine breeding, of high birth. Surely one such as that would not cast off someone. It would be an ignoble thing to do after all. Speaking of which, uh-huh. Ezio and Lord Dion, what are you up to right now? Ezio, take note of this. The crunch of 1,000 lives lay before my feet. I am but a soldier that moves forward into the darkness of the light. For days now, I've told you that I'm not writing down any of your shitty poetry. All right? Squire! Do you wish to be paid for this voyage? Yes. 
then I require you to take my great musings and turn them to print. Well, perhaps your great musings would be better if you investigated some of the things and perhaps we were a little bit more quiet. Quiet, squire. I must do the thinking for both of us, for it is a heavy burden that I carry upon my back to think. Do you not hear the ocean speak to us? It says, come to me, and I wish to come to the ocean. We must find this great marrow-filled boat that will take us across it. Are you not writing this down, Ezio? I didn't bring anything to write it down with for the last time there. Look, they found something. What? Come on. They may have found a boat. There is a voice that cries out. She says, Noble sir, I require your assistance. I require your aid. Do you hear that? A maiden requires our assistance. Follow! Go! Ezio, I am behind thee. Of course you are. As Ezio runs up around the corner and is made aware of the situation. So, Sergeant Bruno, are you actually going to help this? Yes. Yeah. Markswoman? So what does this look like? What are you doing? So, uh, as I said, like Bruno's pulled off this mitten, and I think the camera sees across the back of his hand are, uh, like... Like on his knuckles, these star tattoos, and one of them is a bright red color where the rest of them are black, and nice. he uh, presses down on this bright red star with his other hand, and slowly fire begins to like pool in the palm of his hand, and he runs the blade up and down and bends to press it to this the stump of her leg. I love it. Let's do a risk roll. You've stated what you want to do. You want to cauterize the wound using the ritual. That's great. Now we each get a chance, everybody but you, Ryan, uh, we each get a chance as players to say what we think could go wrong if you fail the die roll. So who has thoughts? I got one. As you create this fire, something else is attracted by the heat and is thawed from the ice. That's pretty good. I'll say that the, you lose control of the magic and you immolate her. I think you could melt your sword. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, the flame inspires one of Lord Dion's shitty poems. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a devil's bargain to me <laughs> yeah that's a devil's bargain friend yeah. uh, but if uh, you don't have anything to offer for failure no it's I'll pass fine. I'll pass I'll perfectly pass. fine uh, let's take a look at dice so you get one light die if you have a relevant skill or piece of equipment or if you're using the environment in some way okay does my sword count in this or it, it does actually okay. it does yeah so that is one light die okay. and then devil's bargain uh, i do like the devil's bargain of the fire inspires lord uh, lord dion <laughs> I, I actually did. <laughs> poetry uh but everybody gets to make an offer if they wish um i do like that one though i would also i would additionally offer no matter what the creatures that did this 
to her and the dead man nearby, they are attracted to the magic or they're attracted to the fire. Okay. So then do I pick one of those or as a table do we... Uh, you got two... Cho- yeah, every, you, you you can have as many offers as there are pe- people, uh, okay. other people at the table. So I... But you've got two offers right now on the table. Um, I think if uh, whoever hasn't offered one wants to speak, they can. Otherwise, it's those two. Okay. I'm, I'm just a little bit confused. Do I pick which one I'm take like accepting which uh, offer yeah yeah or, uh, or none of them or yeah you can accept none or you can accept one of them um who uh else has a, is are there any other offers on the table before we do that though um Ezio or really Nathan do you have an offer or or Zach no matter what a skeletal child is born from the undergrowth of bones that live in this isle yeah i don't have i don't have anything else yet so you got three offers. Skeletal child is born. Some the creatures that did this to her are attracted to the fire, or the, the fire is Lord Dion's muse. Obviously, you know what I want. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll take the inspiring some sh- shitty poetry. I suppose. Indeed, indeed. So you've got two light dies, and you have to take a dark die because you're doing a ritual. So you're going to roll. Okay. Uh, if you want to do the die roller, it's forward slash risk two one. Hey, six dark. That's a complete success, uh, but your ruin is going to go up because the dark die was high and uh, it's higher than your current ruin. Okay, gotcha. I think the ruin increase is basically coming from the fact that your own hand lights on fire for a little bit and it just like physically hurts you while you do this um but go ahead and describe it what does it look like give me the whole scene how do you savor yeah so i think as this fire spreads across my palm it's almost like uh when liquid like oil starts to burn and it spreads in that like waves across my hand and you can see uh, beneath the flame my flesh is bubbling and uh like uh blistering and I heat this sword up until it's cherry red and bend down. And even just that close of proximity to the ice starts to melt and the water pools under her leg as I bend down. And there's just that searing flash and the curling smoke of her leg being seared shut. I think that, you know, there's a scream of pain from her initially. Um, She's gone flush. Um, she probably grips tight onto Ezio's leg uh, to to sort of like work through the pain a little bit, right? Oh, Ezio's going to put the the corner of his of his robes into her mouth for her to bite down on. Oh, good, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. But it's done. You save her. Uh, I also want you to take the condition scarred hand because your hand is uh, cool. kind of scarred from the fire. She'll say you know, after she kind of catches her breath. You know, she's kind of. She's like, thank you, thank you. I, I was here, I was here with my husband searching for Ardkin. I, I gather that's what you're here to do as well, to find the Rhyme Palace. Oh no, is that your husband? Ezio, <laughs> now is maybe not the time. Oh, come on, we have to, we're trying to understand what's happening here, right? I'm sorry. She says, we were attacked by these creatures, like, 
like apes, but with white fur and mouths full of razor-sharp teeth. And she looks down at her foot. They, they, They go for the ankles first. And they are able to bite clean through. I saw one of those. They're definitely watching us. Yes, well... The faster we find Odkin, the better, hmm? She says, inviting herself to your party. (laughs) (laughs) What did you learn about the vessel? You said you had information you could give us. Nothing here. I'm sure I'm following up on the same rumors that you've heard, that hundreds of others have likely heard. Listen, I don't... I will perhaps be a bit of a burden with just one foot, but I'm an excellent shot. I used to serve in the King's Guard, and, well, just prop me up against a wall and I can take I can take out any comers. I imagine her, like, kind of climbing herself up the Ezio's cloak. Oh, yeah, yeah, to stand up, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, all right. That's, and Ezio puts, like, an arm around her. Uh, okay. And she looks at you, Ezio, and she says, you have a rather fancy smell to be so far north. Thank you. Um, so, where are you from? Oh god, Nathan had never thought of a name. Uh, you could say Ombre or Fort Duran or, or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we come from Fort Duran. Uh, I'm sorry, what is your name? Ah, um, Editha is my name. And that is what's left of my husband. I... He... He protected me. He... He threw himself at them in order to protect me. I hope that I am at least able to make his sacrifice worth it. And perhaps with all of you I can. Ezio makes the strongest face he can, jutting his chin out a little bit and looking toward the sun. I'll make sure that everything goes well for you. Well, what are you all going to do at this point? Zabatu is going to roll her eyes and lets out a sigh. (sighs) Well, I'm bored of this. And then she's going to wander off towards that dragon wing that was jutting out of one of the piles. Indeed, indeed. It's huge. I mean, like, it's big enough, like, you could, like, climb on it. Like, it's really, really big. Um, what about you, Lord Dion? What are you up to? My dear squire. I'm really not a squire. (laughs) Have you asked the new recruit what we may garner from them as far as finding the boat? New recruit, what do you know of the... The great boat in which we seek the skeletal frame, its great wings that carry us forward. <clears throat> My lord, as I said, I we did not get very far in our journey, in our exploration before we were attacked. I'm afraid that all I have to offer to you at this time is, well, my very, very good aim. Good aim. And a mouth to feed. I'm curious about the poetry. Yeah. Inspired by (laughs) Bruno's burning hand. 
Some would say that we have christened thee with a life, a gift that shouldn't be. I hope that you are worthy of something greater than yourself or what you had hoped to be. For love does not end in life. Oh, no. And it extends beyond that. For love of another could be given as better love to someone more superior. What I mean to say is, I hope that you are willing to give yourself up to find what we all seek. Squire? She looks at you, Sergeant Bruno, and she says, He does go on, doesn't he? Oh, it's horrible. Unending. Sergeant, please. I would never end without a need. But... I think Sergeant Bruno's just pinching the bridge of his nose like, oh my god. Can you not help us find what we are seeking, woman? Sabatu, (laughs) you said you were going to investigate the pile of bones with the wing. Yes, I am. This pile of bones with the wing sticking out of it, it has an irregular shape. It's almost like a distended shape as compared to the other piles. And then, of course, the the wing itself is is enormous. I mean, it, if you were to lay down, you could lay down across it like probably ten times on its like longest point, right? I'm curious what you do. She stops for a bit and admires it. I think more than anything, that would have been a magnificent creature. It's in the pile, right? So I'm going to start clearing out some of these bones to see if I can just figure out really what it was from. Was this was this really a a, a dragon or was it something else? Uh, go ahead and make a hunt roll. Let's see, am I using anything? You uh, definitely improve your chances if you add that second die. And you can also pull a piece of equipment from your, your open slots as well. So one of my skills is spirits. So I'm wondering if there's the potential, you know, coalescence of oh. sacrifice spirits in this kind of area. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I try to feed into that and, and listen. And I only start moving bones when I feel that those spirits have long since departed. No, I love it. That's great. Go ahead and do a hunt roll of two dice, since you're sort of attuning to the spirits of these of this place, right? Oh, three. Well, so what does that look like initially? Like, give me this sort of, like, a little bit of the fiction here. Yeah, I crouch down and close my eyes, and I start running my ungauntleted hand kind of through the air and, and feel the, the trickle of... of this ancient, you know, bone dust kind of flowing around my fingers, like like I'm moving it through, uh, you know, some sort of shifting breeze. I avoid places where it really coalesces around my hand and only dig in places where I feel the spirits have, have completely settled. I will tell you that you are going to learn something. You will learn that there is... Beneath this pile of bones, there is something incredibly ancient. There is a spirit or a force that is perhaps older than anything you've experienced or sensed up to this point in your career. I'm curious how you know that. What does it feel like? Rather than bone dust, 
moving as I move through that spirit like the rest of these old lost souls do. It pulls whole bones uh, away from the pile as I as I kind of pass through without even touching it. Nice. Regrettably, Ezio, I think you might be the first to notice if you kind of pop your head around the corner a little bit. You'll see several, say three, of these white furred ape creatures crawling practically on their bellies, like on their hands and feet, but very, very like low to the ground, like spider crawling almost. And perhaps it's because Zabatu is in a in a fugue state of some sort. She's kind of working some magic, some hedge magic, focused on what she's doing. She hasn't she's not seeing them crawl in behind her. Ezio, what do you do? Oh, oh, oh gods, uh, are these, are these, are, sh- shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. As Ezio, like, kind of, she was leaning against him, her leg, and he, he like, almost drops her, like, pointing, and then catches her really quickly. <laughs> Lord, Sergeant, uh, uh, look, Zabatu is, uh, help. Editha will say, my lord to you, Dion, to battle. To battle, go forth, uh, protect your, my, citizens. Sergeant Bruno, what do you do? Is this just a race for everybody to not have to actually fight? Because that was what I was trying to do. (laughs) That's absolutely what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get both of you to do the hard part. If a train comes by, I'm pushing you in front of it, like, uh... No, and hopefully when that when we get this boat, I'm gonna push you off of it. Damn. <laughs> yeah, Sergeant Bruno looks back at Lord Dion. Two blades will make more difference than one, my lord. And gestures. Editha says, "Truly, you all have the heart of lions." <laughs> <laughs> For my love, Bruno, and I expel my rapier from its holding place. I charge! And I I will move forward in a grand gesture towards what's happening. Uh, It just occurred to me, you have a very impressive mustache, don't you? uh, It's a fantastic mustache, but yes. (laughs) Well waxed. This will be a combat. Not everyone has to enter the combat. Zabatu, and it sounds like Lord Dion will be in the combat. I think that so long as Editha remains at range and not like right in the thick of it, you get an extra die from her. Um, if she's ever in the thick of it, you have to kind of like protect her also because she can't like get around perfectly well. And so, um, but in this case, you don't. As long as she stays back and the fight doesn't come to her, she just provides an extra combat die. Um, so you'll have one from her. One from Lord Dion, one from Zabatu, and... Sergeant Bruno is also charging alongside Lord Dion. That's, that's another one, so that's, uh, we're up to four now at this point. Ezio, are you diving in? Oh, no. Hanging back. <laughs> no, I'm hanging back. <laughs> okay. First things first. You have to say how you are vulnerable in the combat and then roll your weak point um, on the die roller. That's forward slash weak. I will ask you, Zabatu, uh, how are you vulnerable right now? I think I'm most vulnerable in terms of positioning, so I will be beset upon if this goes poorly. 
just because you're like surrounded by them right now. Yeah, yeah. Your back turned. All right, go ahead and roll weak. Three. All right. And Lord Dion, how will you be vulnerable? A lord of my stature has never had to do battle on such a ground as this. I might lose my footing and I might twist my ankle. Um, <laughs> Very good. I was hope I thought that was going to go the way where like I'm too prepared. I'm <laughs> no, I I I might hurt myself while walking through the dead bones of a thousand crushed creatures. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, go ahead and mark uh, regretful week. <laughs> Oh, it's a six. Great. <laughs> Not a great one. Bruno, how are you vulnerable? I think it's been a really long time since uh, Bruno has been in combat. And so I think he's sort of at a risk of falling into um, kind of like a, a flashback uh, rage state. Good. <laughs> nice. Um, I believe that's a six. Yeah. It nice. is. All right, so we have two people with six weak points. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's not great. Um, go ahead and uh, let's do a combat four. Uh, whoever's got the die roller, go ahead and just do that. Woo! And we're looking for a nine. Uh, that is not enough, but also no one's uh, no one's weak point was hit. It was a it was a five, a two, a two, and a one. So let's just have a round of combat, but you haven't won yet. Um, so kick it off, Zabatu. Sure. I think it's one of these things. Scamper is the first one to kind of lunge out the, the greediest of these uh, pale monkeys. I'm just going to lash out. It draws me out of my sort of trance-like state, I think. My awareness sense. Perhaps I even uh, sensed its spirit coming upon me more so than I even was aware of it physically. But without thinking, Zabatu just lashes out with her left hand and slashes across it bright cuts in its fur standing out against the the white as it flies away from me at least momentarily nice love that keep it going bruno yeah so bruno has his uh, father's cavalry saber out and i think he wades in kind of going for these ape-like creatures hamstrings or elbows with the like big wide slashing cuts almost dancing big wide sweeping curving cuts nice i'm gonna take a ditha lord dion i think as you're like kind of ambling um <laughs> bravely uh, to the fight <laughs> you one of the creatures like leaps at you like it, it like kind of just jumps right and i think like right it's about to make contact with you. A bolt just goes whizzing under your arm and hits the creature, and it kind of like rolls over to the side. Aditha lets out a sort of uh, hue of celebration because her shot was so good. And you get to do some narration as well, Lord Dion. Well done, my dear! And uh, these curs, and I slash one across the face. Uh, nice, and kick nice. and kick it with my boot. <laughs> very good, very good. Let's go to the second round of combat. Let's have a combat five right. now, please. Looking for nine. Oh my god! <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what is it like? Triple six. <laughs> that's a horrible roll. Um, uh, that is a that's a six with four threes. Um, nice. Whose uh, weak point was that? That was me. I think you're going to probably want to use your armor right now. Um, <laughs> go ahead and 
give us the first round of combat here, uh, Zabatu. Yeah, I think it's the sheer number of them that I can't keep off of me um, as they pounce around. Yeah, I think like a few more have jumped in, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I probably slash at one and, and catch that, but then uh, get caught from behind. One scrambles up the, the back of my uh, flowing robe, and then another one like tries to jump on and maybe latches onto my arm um, as, they, as they begin clamoring on top of me, trying to drag me down. Indeed. And I assume you are marking your armor. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> Fantastic. Give us the next bit here, Lord Dion. They're trying to swarm my mage, as it were, Zabatu. I must make a meal of you! And I grab one around the neck, and I choke it. And this is a kind of a scene that's a little bit unholy. I grab it around its neck, and I'm just like, You think, Skr, that you could make, make a meal of us! I break the neck of this chimp-like creature. <laughs> You are nothing to me. (laughs) Bruno, keep it going. Seeing um, Zabatu sort of surrounded and piled on, he races past Lord Dion where he's strangling one of these creatures to death and just kind of starts laying into this pile of ape creatures trying to get them off his companion. Fantastic. And... Editha fires a couple more bolts into the scrum. We're up to six combat dice. Hopefully this is the one that will do them in. And hopefully not one of you will be done in as a result. Hey, that's a great roll. A five and lots of fours and a two. No weak point and you win. Let's start wrapping this up. I think Editha, she just like catches one of them like just square in the eye. It's like its eye and brain just, you know, just kind of explodes at the back of its head. And it kind of slumps down. Uh, keep it going, Bruno. Kills him. This pile that's on top of uh, Zabatu, he's just going for like heads are flying and cutting off. It's his. Uh, it's less defense than like defensive offense. Just cutting out arms off and anything to just get them back. Nice, uh, Lord Dion. Lord Dion wrenches the neck from the sad shoulders of this creature. I have no time for this! And I grab the head of it and I just hurl this unlivened body into the other one. And I pull out the love of my life and stab it through the eye. I have no time for you! And finish this up, Zabatu. Uh, I think what finally happens is a couple of them... The ones that have latched onto Zabatu try to bite down and start trying to tear through her wrappings, and they just dissolve into goo as my wrappings protect me and prevent me from being consumed by them, and they just kind of melt away into rotted bones and gore and slough off. Nice, good. Let's roll some gold dice. You get nine gold dice for this encounter. Ooh, let me roll them. Yeah, I'm sure they all just roll like trash. <laughs> uh, two gold, y'all. Two, not bad. Oh. Yeah, all great. <laughs> two out of nine, not bad, boys. It's better than I'd have done. <laughs> uh, statistically speaking, it's not bad at all. Um, so you're going to get, uh, you, you will be able to harvest off of these creatures two things worth one gold each. Uh, you have to sort of 
say what that is. And then importantly, you have to name these creatures. <laughs> they have to have a name. Uh, what are you going to call them? Snopes. <laughs> Snopes. Is that like snow ape? <laughs> <laughs> snow. We could do snow. Snokies. Oh, Snokies is pretty good. Sounds like a Pokemon. I like, like Snokies. <laughs> That's pretty good. It sounds cute almost. Yeah. They are almost. Yeah, they're, they're kind of cute. Minus the flesh not... eating part. Yeah, minus the <laughs> severing your feet off of your legs. <laughs> Cats aren't cute to mice. You know, they're cute a to us. Fair point. A fair point. So, what uh, what are we taking off these creatures? First person to name something gets to keep it. I have a suggestion. It's yours. Like I'm not going to take it. Their their hands. Oh, the monkey paw. Yeah, they're preserved and used as charms. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say their teeth. I was into the jaw. Yeah. All right, so whoever's taking the paw, uh, write that down. It's worth one gold, and then same with the teeth. I'll take the teeth, as I angrily pull some out with my gauntlet. Would you like to present me with the with the paw with the paw? Oh no, I'm not going to be anywhere near this. <laughs> so. Yeah, fine then. I'll do it myself. Brian's too slow. This paw is mine. I don't know if you want to do something with that, Seal, but I was certainly not present for this fight at all, so I have ideas. Just, you can position, you can do this however you want, but I'm just letting you know I'm going to go do a thing. Let's kick off with you. So, Ezio, you have had a chance to sort of, you hung back for those those intense little moments of the combat, uh, and I'm curious, uh, what are you doing right now, or what are you going to do after it's over? So, uh, Aditha needed sturdier ground than my flabby frame to hold her up and so she was rested against like a one of these piles of bones and raining down from that safe position i took this opportunity to go scavenge her husband's dead body for gold good 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 while she's not looking it's great that was my plan i love it do a hunt roll uh remind me okay hunt roll is i get one just for doing it right Yep, and then one if you use either a skill or a piece of equipment. And it's always best to do two, especially yeah. once you start having some hunt roll tokens, it's really dangerous to roll just one because you're at the mercy of that single die and you could lose them all. So. I don't know if we want to do, like, surprise, perhaps? That may be, that may be being a little, a little generous with what surprise means. <laughs> it feels a <laughs> bit of a stretch. Yeah, um, okay, I, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You have a mirror. Uh, Maybe that could be helpful. Oh, I love that. Okay, I like that a lot. I am constantly checking behind my shoulder using the mirror to make sure <laughs> that nobody is looking at me to see good. me robbing yeah. a dead body. <laughs> good, good, good. Roll two dice. Uh, five light. Nice. Take your token. Um, and you encounter something terrible. I'll tell you the the terrible thing is pretty low stakes. You're looking around the body, trying to find what you can find. In fact, what you find is straight away, his armor, he has like leather armor on underneath his furs. It's actually, the torso part at least is in very good shape because the creatures kind of go for your limbs. <laughs> and so he kind of bled out from the limbs, right? Like, and his face is all slashed up, but like the the armor's in really good shape still, so that's something you could probably take from him. And if you want to spend that token, you can find another treasure as well. I do want to spend this token immediately. 
Um, I want to say that the thing that I had in mind for treasure would be mm-hmm. a wedding ring. I love it. That's perfect. And what kind of wedding ring is it like silver or gold? Or? It's gold. Okay. It's it's gold with a with a big emerald. That's probably worth too much. I would say it's probably just Damn. gold. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> worth one gold. Uh, do you found equipment? Wedding. Just put wedding ring. One gold. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take this armor off of his body too. Nice, good. The terrible thing, though, apart from the fact that just his limbs have been kind of he's just been kind of tore up. You've already seen that. He has a distinct expression on what's left of his face, one that looks not like terror or pain but hurt like like the last thing he saw was something that really really disappointed him what do you do Ezio studies his face for a while realizes slowly what that look means and turns around toward Aditha who loses another shot we're still in the midst of the battle yeah oh no the Battle will conclude. You'll take some time to find the choice Snoky Paw and enough teeth that are um, reasonably intact and sellable. And we still have this pile of bones, which you haven't really had a chance to investigate too much, except that, Zabatu, you know that there is something incredibly ancient, um, a very, very old spirit of some sort beneath the bones. Let's just pick up that scene from there with everybody. Zabatu is plucking teeth or tearing teeth out of gums with her clawed gauntlet and pocketing them in a little pouch that she keeps in her robe. Appreciate your assistance, Bruno. Of course. Can't have you getting torn to shreds just yet. I do rather like my feet. Uh, And she wiggles her bare toes in the snow. And, well, in the bones. (laughs) So you're not wearing shoes. That's interesting. Just my wrappings. Yeah, yeah. I like how exposed you are. It's interesting. Did you find anything? Sort of like pokes the dragon wing <clears throat> with the the toe of his boot. <clears throat> yes, Bruno. Please don't dabble in magic you don't comprehend. There is something very ancient buried here. Something likely still terribly powerful. (laughs) Sacrifice to a forgotten god. Gods were here, are dead, and long gone, and yet this spirit remains. There's something here. I must dig it out. Not literally, Bruno. Put that down. Bruno drops the bone back onto the pile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shrugs a little bit were there any spare paws I know a guy in Fort Duran who loves paws Ezio <sighs> wading through the bones up to the up the, the mound Bruno picks up one of these snoky paws and just frisbees it at <laughs> Ezio's face <laughs> oh I, I catch that as undignified as you can possibly catch an item <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the clap catch with frisbees. yeah it, it almost <laughs> falls out of his hands yeah <laughs> like like playing catch with your dad yeah <laughs> so it sounds like there's something interesting underneath this pile of bones 
Sabatu, you want to unearth it in some manner. What was your thinking here? There must be something here that keeps this powerful spirit here. I'm going to start poking around, as it were, uh, to understand maybe a little bit more about the ritual manner of however these things were sacrificed. I'm beginning to wonder if these bones have been sacrificed here, not as the sacrifice themselves, but as a means to keep what's actually being sacrificed in place, as it were. Um, something along those lines. Yeah, I'm going to try to understand the, the, you know, how these things would have been ritually offered, perhaps. Or perhaps there's something to the pattern of the way that the bones are outlaid. Mm, yeah, good, good point. I like that. That's definitely a hunt roll. What do you think for your dice? I have curses. I'm not really sure if this thing is cursed to be uh, burdened here, though. I mean, I, I if 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 what you're if what you're mainly trying to find out is whether whatever the thing is is dangerous, then I think curses might be appropriate. That's not really quite what I was thinking. Um, I'm pretty sure it's dangerous. <laughs> uh, well, it's the it's the ship. I think. Well, Katie. that's yeah. Okay. It's. It doesn't mean it's not dangerous. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair point. I'm trying to think if there's another way I can get curses in here. Perhaps just the nature of this place being a curse in and of itself. Oh, yeah, like just a blighted place. You know, like that. It's pretty good. I can only pull in one extra die, right? Even if I pull in something else, is that correct? Yeah, it's it, okay, two is a max. Five! <laughs> Finally. You get another token. Interestingly, there's all these dead... All these rituals that were performed here, allegedly, and all of these bones, this huge, massive amounts of bones, animal and people alike. But actually, in the same way that I described earlier, that it's like the the, the odor of decay has been like bleached away, like it's no longer there. So is the blight of the place. It's surprisingly neutral, spiritually speaking. Either whatever happened here happened so, so, so long ago that you just, it doesn't register anymore. Or alternatively, it could be that this is a presentation of some sort, a display for people who come looking for Artkin doesn't feel particularly evil or dark that's what i'm saying mm. well that's very interesting zabatu is somewhat muttering to herself stands up from where she was crouched over these bones as she was intrigued by them and, and turns to face the rest of her companions i think this place is an illusion a set like in a play it's a show for us it's not if things were really sacrificed here, it should be leached into the very land itself. There should be churning darkness. We would walk away cursed. But it's not. I think the worst blight upon this place is these cursed snow monkeys. Step on one. And Aditha says, and our lord's poetry. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I am not here. I would never hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what you are doing, Lord Dion, while this is going on. I have found myself investigating the bones of this world. I have become enraptured by the crunch under my feet. This is 
ignoble. The dead just die here? It seems so strange to me. Someone would have to die under the pretense of death. A great story would have to be told. And this is just some wash in which the dead just rise up from out of the sea? There's a story yet here to be told. So I am sifting these bones through my hands and trying to understand. I look for a ship. I mean, to be clear, there's not an ocean nearby. (laughs) And I need the truth (laughs) to come out of this graveyard of truth. It's true that ships sail on oceans, but this is a frozen craggy peak (laughs) a cleft in the earth (laughs) so tell me why i cannot find my great ship to sail to the true lands do your hunt roll (laughs) i will monologue until you let me roll dice I like your hunt roll. I like it as command, maybe even despair once you realize there's not actually a, a sea nearby. Uh, yeah, I think guys. Bruno, what ocean? <laughs> you know, exactly. I keep speaking of an ocean. There's no ocean. I've <laughs> been telling him this for weeks. All right. I, roll. I have written the word sea for days. No sea. I'm going to roll now, and so we'll see what happens. So I have a six, a light. Oh, so there's an ocean now. (laughs) You did not get to make an ocean. Ah, fair enough. You did get to take a hunt roll token, however. You're kind of carrying on like this for a good while. Zabatu is having her mind blown by the possibility that this is all for show, and... This is all happening in the backdrop of these, presumably more of these Snokies somewhere. And so maybe hanging out here for too long is maybe not a great idea. Aditha, oiling her crossbow. Sergeant Bruno and Ezio doing whatever they do. And some of the bones just start to slide down from this pile. Maybe in your ruminations, Lord Dion, you don't realize that you're kind of leaning up against it and it causes a shift and if you had rolled more poorly i probably would have had a a bone avalanche happen but since you got a six the bones are just starting to slide down and they're revealing the ship essentially underneath the ship appears to have two wings on the sides one of them is sticking out the other is kind of folded in And the ship itself, it's shaped like a ship, as best you can tell, but it's made of bone. The the bulkhead, the great uh, sort of body of the ship, looks like a rib cage, right? Mm. And the top is like mosaics of bones that are kind of formed to make like a top deck that you can stand on. And you can start to pull away the bones and they'll just start to fall down and fall off and, and you can uncover it, right? Zabatu, the ship is the ancient thing that you've been sensing. It has a life force of, of sorts. Lord Dion has accidentally stumbled upon it. Ah, uh, of course the treasure falls into the hands of a royal who has done nothing. And so, truth revealed itself to me. Scribe, are you writing this great epic tale? 
For once, the bones and their marrow and their sweet, sweet marrow. Oh, marrow. Nobody's used marrow as a metaphor before. Go on. I had found the truth. And the truth had found naked me. (laughs) By God, Sergeant, get on the ship. (laughs) You are just looking at us now. I think for a, for a moment, Sergeant Bruno considers going back the way he's come. <laughs> like, now would be a good time to just just head back. But I think uh, instead he he helps uh, Aditha up into the ship. Yeah, I think she will climb up at the lowest point she's able to. And as best she can... I think she has maybe like a, a makeshift crutch at this point. Maybe some, uh, maybe maybe she found like a particularly long bone or something, and she's just trying to kick loose the bones. She's like, "This is it. This is Ardkin. We have found it." My dear, we haven't found it. I have found it, and I I grab her arm as she's scuttling up to the top of the ship deck and pull her aboard the ship. And she says, well, unfortunately, what we have discovered is a very strange ship that is in something of disrepair. And she will note that one of the wings appears to have like a crack and it's hanging precariously off the side. She says, do we have any builders or engineers in our group? Someone who could mend this, perhaps? Well, don't everybody just get to work all at once. Bruno drops his pack and sighs. And he gets out. He has some iron spikes that he pulls out and a mallet. And he (laughs) clambers out on the wing and he's going to prop the wing up. He's like, you know, when you're trying to do too much with too few hands, he's like putting it on his knee and like trying to hold the nails and putting this wing back together. I like it. I don't think I need a risk roll here. If you just take the time to to do it, I think you can do it. What's everyone else doing while Bruno is repairing the ship? Ezio, what are you up to? Does this ship have stores? Imagine just like the the body of the ship is like a rib cage, essentially, right? And the deck is sort of made of like mosaics of bones, and then it has the wings. And so like the interior of the ship is is really nothing. It's just like a a space. Okay. It's just a collection of bones that's vaguely ship-shaped. Ezio is stomping around the top of the deck, looking for a way to get into the lower deck, which he does not find. This is just the collection of bones that is just ship-shaped, isn't it? Pardon? There's no... There's no wine on the ship, is there? There is no... What? On the ship? This will take us to the farthest reaches of humanity, squire! Not to defend the Lord here, but it's not like you can really walk to the Rhyme Palace, Ezio. Well, but it's... How long could this take? Bruno, I think you're having good luck repairing (laughs) the wing by yourself. (laughs) It would take a lot less time if you'd stop running your mouth and come out here and help me, Ezio. I hurt myself in the battle before. I'm sorry. I think Bruno makes a rude gesture towards Ezio. (laughs) Editha will 
sit near the wing, Bruno, and hand you tools as you need them. <laughs> but you will be able to to sort of uh, to fix up the wing a bit. It might be sort of a a, a temporary fix, right? But it, but it, but it's there. As you sort of like make the adjustments, fix the wing, there is a bit of a rumble in the bones. The, the bones that are sort of like kind of around the ship that it was buried in start to sort of fly off and away, fully exposing the thing. And the wings move of their own accord and spread in a grand way, like the ship is ready to, to take off to where, who knows? How do you pilot it? Who knows? And then you hear a voice, a woman's voice, pleasant, even-toned. You are standing on the deck of Ardkin. Ardkin will take you to us, to our palace in the Gossamer Void. But first, you must give her your secrets. In turn, speak aloud your uncomfortable truths, your secrets you would not share, what lies hidden in the darkest part of your heart, and Ardkin will bring you here. And so, whoever's ready to speak aloud their uncomfortable truth, say so. They are nothing to me. I have only found them recently, and I am willing to drown them, kill them, suffocate and break the necks of each and every one of them in order to understand a greater truth. For I have read the great messages of our artists of our time. These men are nothing to me. I wish to understand the truth of bliss. A colored smoke starts to form, materialize inside the hold of the ship between the ribs that make up the bulkhead of the ship. You can see it because it's just bones. JD, upon Lord Dion speaking these, frankly, treacherous words, and the smoke appears, what color is the smoke? It's violet, but if you could actually see it, it's brightest in ultraviolet. And Nathan, what does the smoke smell like? It smells like sticks of cinnamon held to a fire. Hmm. Who's going to speak their uncomfortable truth next? Think about your drives if you need some inspiration on it. I did kill my student for spilling the potion across the book just as my colleagues and my co-authors accused me of it. But I miss her. Hmm. Uh, Ryan, what color is the smoke that appears? That glowing orange of coals left overnight. And Zach, what does it smell like? The bottom part of a great big pile of leaves. The earthiness of that. Bruno... Speak your truth. I ran away and left them to die. And I would do it again a hundred times over if it meant that I got to draw one more breath. Nathan, what color is the smoke? Red like bricks. 
JD, what does it smell like? Fresh pencil shaving. Oh. Ezio, speak your truth. I crave and require human companionship. Yet I am determined and even destined to die alone. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that your smoke is a very, very pale seafoam green. A romantic color, if not for the fact that it smells like what, Zach? Wet shoes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Editha, who has been conspicuously silent this whole time, says, I pushed my husband toward those creatures in order to save myself, to buy myself a little extra time. And the smoke is black as soot. And smells strongly of burnt fennel. And the ship rises from the ground. Except it doesn't really rise. It's more like the mountain falls away. It's like the ship doesn't move at all. Just the world falls away from it. And before you know it, the ship is sailing through a silvery expanse, a silvery void. It seems to know exactly where it's meant to go. It is unclear how you would control it anyway. <laughs> and you're on the ship for an amount of time that starts to become very, very unclear. You start to feel a little unstuck in time. It's as if you have been on the ship for just a few moments and a few months all at once. And at a certain point, you would start to learn how to exercise some control over it, whether psychically or some other way. You'll eventually learn it. How do you know, Ezio, that you are starting to have some control over the ship, maybe just at the margins. Like you can't control its general trajectory, but you can make it shift a little to the left, a little to the right. How are you able to do it? After the first few moments of, of, of terror and self-reflection, Ezio begins looking around and, and sees the world flying by. And out of panic or boredom or both, he twitches his little finger and the ship bobs for a moment and he raises an eyebrow and lifts his finger all the way in the air and it rattles nice I'm curious Bruno how do you spend your time on Ardkin? Do you do anything? Does it feel like you've been here long? The unofficial motto of soldiers everywhere is hurry up and wait. And I think Bruno 
is sort of used to this, like, you know, those lonely tower postings, long hours spent guarding something pointlessly, and he just is able to enter this state of, like, half-dozing, half-awake, sort of leaning against the the side of Ardkin. I'm curious about you, Lord Dion. How do you spend your time on Ardkin? At first. Squire, you must... You don't hear me. And in the echo of nothingness, Lord Dion begins his great, great descent into personhood. Can you hear me? I have... Can you... No? I am just talking to myself, I guess, then. I was hoping that maybe I would see something greater than myself at the end of this. Just say something back. And nothing is said back. I know nothing is said back. It is fine. I am fine here alone. I thought the trip would be shorter, though. (laughs) Perhaps each of us will understand ourselves when we get to the other side. End of the world. End of time. It's fine. Just no darkness. I banish thee. And you probably see him puke over the side of the ship multiple times like a young man trying to reconstitute oneself Editha will come and find you Zabatu and she says so you and I share something in common it would seem being murderers and all oh I thought she meant a hatred for the Lord's poetry. I must confess I have not seen or heard the Lord for some time. All of you just sort of go in and out. Yes, I have felt that too. Things are strange here as we traverse this stranger ocean. Yes. I have heard stories of places like this. Places like this gossamer void. It is a medium through which to travel a middle space between realms. I wonder if my husband's spirit traveled through such a place when it went to wherever it went. I suppose I could have looked for you. Angry spirits tend to not move along as they should indeed not I know that you and your companions have some mastery over the magical arts your friend the sergeant was able to summon fire to cauterize my wound I wonder if between you you have the ability to reach my husband or allow me to communicate with him. Since I know that what you said was true, 
I suspect your husband will have attached himself to you. You will see him in your nightmares, in your intrusive thoughts that you can't escape from, in your anxiety. That is where angry spirits leech our strength. Don't worry, you'll have plenty of time to speak with your husband. What a comforting conversationalist you are, Sabatu. Yes, well, I don't work in the priesthood for a reason. Well, and she is starting to look beyond you a little bit, like she's staring past you, and she says, You are are leaving my vision now. I am soon going to be left by myself on the forecastle of this vessel, staring out into the silvery void, and just like that, the conversation is over and you're somewhere else. I think I go back to dangling my legs through the ribs of this ship and feel that that tug, that call of the void dwell in it. Hmm. What what are you hoping to accomplish? Hmm. I'm hoping to gain some sort of mastery over this. There's a power here. There's a spell that pulls us to destroy ourselves. Hmm. I like that. And so you're using your sort of ability to tap into magical places, into spiritual realms to sort of figure this out? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I've done as an academic. So I'm letting this magical energy pull on me in order to try and understand it, like its it. origins and its yeah. its power over us. Yeah. Do a hunt roll. Hmm. Spirits, curses? I like spirits. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Five. Take your token. The terrible thing is sort of generalized here. Uh, Sergeant Bruno, you have been aware for the last ten minutes or possibly ten days that something has been watching the ship. You've spied it periodically, peeking around a great astral rock, staring at the ship as it passes by. It is a titanic thing, and you get a good full-on view of it coming from behind an island floating in the void, a massive being with two large pincher-like claws and a serpentine body and a single glittering purple jewel eye set above a row of teeth. And the thing is just enormous. It looks like it could probably snap Ardkin in two with one of the claws. It is still some distance away, but it is following you. It keeps finding you. Because Ardkin is leaving a silver thread in its wake. And the creature is able to find the silver thread and find you again. What do you do? Is the silver thread that Ardkin is leaving, is it like a thread of light or does it look physical? Both. It's just emanating from Ardkin. So I have the ritual summon. Is that to like summon an entity, like a physical entity or spirits, or is it more malleable than that? 
Uh, it says, draw a known spirit or person okay. to you. I'm open to interpretation, though, here. What you have in mind? Well, I was going to summon the spirits of my, my squad to block this thing from being able to follow us. Oh, interesting. So you would summon them to you, and then what would they do? Be interference. Like, distract it some way, yeah? Yeah. Forming a shield wall, like a spiritual... Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's good. No, I'm into this. Um, Okay. It's a risk roll. I think what you're trying to do is fairly obvious. Group, what could go wrong here on the failed roll? They turn on you for betraying them. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't think I have anything better than that. No, I th- I think they become the crew of the ship. Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, just... like it's a mutiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That'd that be pretty sweet. wild. The spiritual spirit yeah. mutiny. Yeah, spirit mutiny is fucking great. The entity in the void severs the thread, and we're lost in the Glossomer void. Uh, yes. That's the. But that's that's the catastrophic fail. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at your dice. One light die if you have a if you're using a skill, piece of equipment, or the environment. Yeah, I don't think I really have anything specific that would help me. Is this where I you can add in gear? Like you have the three that you can yep. kind of mm-hmm. create things that you have. Mm-hmm. So I think I have like my old torques of office, like arm torques oh, that nice. were like. Um, and I think I pull those out nice. and put those on. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Um, so it's like they'll recognize you better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, add that to your equipment and devil's bargains. Hmm. I think no matter what, one of these spirits continues to be a going concern. Maybe like attaches to the ship in some way. Fuck. That was what I was going to say. Sorry, it's it, it, to be fair, it is, it's the most obvious thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just really excited. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why. I was like, oh, I actually have a good one going into it for once. <laughs> no matter what, they will not come when you call again. Oh, like you've lost the connection to them for good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, any other offers? Or is that you got two offers uh, so far? No matter what. Your appearance is that of you when you betrayed them. Oh. You're de-aged to look as though you were that day. So I have to accept one of those, correct? You do not. You can reject them all. Zach Zach hasn't made one. I haven't made one yet. Uh, And I'm also really interested in this, which is uh, no longer you are a sergeant. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You're just just Bruno Illich. Like they they demote you or something. <laughs> they can't even say it. Oh, Anyone else? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I like that. Well, and you're scrubbed from the records and everything. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. that's that's yeah. actually cooler. Yeah. That's kind of just cool. gone. There's a lot of good choices here. Um, yeah. So if you take one of them, you get another light die, but you can reject them all and get, but you don't get the die. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to accept Zach's. Cool. Okay. So you've got two light dice, and you must do a dark die because of the ritual. Nice. Five dark. So my ruin goes up. It does go up. Uh, five dark. And I think the ruin is mostly just coming from the fact that the sort of psychological, spiritual damage of losing your rank and, and just this moment, right, is probably where that's yeah. coming from. But it's a success. 
there's a complication. Uh, if the dark die wasn't the highest one, you'd get to add a dark die and try again to get a better result. But since okay. since it is the highest one, it stops. The complication. I'm uh, my complication is going to be. I'm, I'm going with my devil's bargain. <laughs> uh, the complication <laughs> is going to be that one of these spirits attaches to the ship. So great. Yeah. But I do want to know what this looks like. Uh, this is a big moment. It's the. It's it's kind of the end of our session too. So like, make it make it big. Get this creature off your tail. We're floating through the the silence of the void, and all of a sudden. There's distant thunder of cavalry hooves, and it gets closer and closer, like a a star coming closer at first, just kind of this bright white that, as it gets closer, forms into these skeletal figures riding long dead horses, and they form a wedge, and we you hear that ghostly clarion call of trumpets sounding as they drop spears down and charge at this thing, driving it back in a way into the darkness again. Nice. Love it. I think the scene closes with the deck seemingly cleared. You don't know where your companions are at, Bruno. Just Bruno. Except you see one man that you don't recognize straight away standing at the front of the ship, staring out into the void. His shirt, armor, is removed, he's bare-chested, and he's absolutely drenched in blood, just covered in gore. And he turns to you, and he says... I haven't forgotten what you did to us. I know that we are ending there, but uh, Ryan, I'm gonna need you to delete your fake rank off of your character sheet. <laughs> you you are not and have never been a sergeant. Yeah, <laughs> I like how it's like you were never a sergeant. It's like obliterated from like <laughs> never a yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah. What terrible thing could possibly be in a pile of bones? <laughs> it <laughs> is my weird. poetry, son. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.